0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Nutmeg podcast, brought to you by the Nutmeg Myself, the host, and I'm joined, as usual, as always, by my co-host Chris. Hey, mate, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Yourself?
0: Yeah, all all good, mate. All good here. Um, I know it's it's still it's always not great with the COVID situation in the country right now, yeah. but. Personally, yeah, I'm doing pretty fine right
1: now. That's good, mate. As long as you're staying safe and your family is good. Exactly. Again, staying safe there, that's all you can do, isn't it? And, exactly. Uh,
0: exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. Hopefully you guys get through the worst of
0: it. <laughs> absolutely, mate, absolutely. That's, that's the only thing that we hope right now. And getting on to what we are going to discuss today, we're going to mainly look at the Premier League and the race for the top four, which is once again gone to the last day of the season and once again includes Leicester City <laughs> they were actually involved last season as well Leicester yeah. and they had a game against Manchester United a big game against Manchester United last season and they had to win the game to qualify they lost and they just finished below United or below Manchester United and Chelsea in fifth place and missed out on Champions League qualification very closely once again, this season, they seem to be coming as the fifth-place team right now into the last game week of the season. They have a big game against Spurs. There are a lot of permutations and combinations uh, with respect to who will qualify. Just before we discuss into it, Chris, I, I just want to you know let the fans know how how this works. So, yeah, Chelsea, on, Chelsea, Liverpool and Leicester, three teams who have three teams who are competing for two spots, third and fourth. Chelsea are currently third with 67 points and a goal difference of plus 23. Liverpool in fourth after their win against Burnley midweek with 66 points and a goal difference of plus 24. Leicester, again, tied with Liverpool on points with 66, but their goal difference is plus 20. And there are a lot of combinations and permutations, like I said. If Liverpool lose and Leicester manage to sneak out a draw or a win, Chelsea and Leicester go through into in, in, into next season's Champions League. If Liverpool manage to win, Liverpool are pretty much going to confirm their place in the Champions League next season. Unless, unless Leicester manage to win by a huge goal difference, So, they have a lot of catching up to do. They have a difference of four goals in terms of goal difference. But if Leicester does manage to catch Liverpool's goal difference, Leicester might qualify based on goals scored. So, that's another deep, deep combination or a deep probability. The chance of that happening is not pretty huge. But if Chelsea lose and Leicester and Liverpool manage to win their games, Chelsea go out. So, there are a lot of Like I said, there are a lot of different possibilities right now. Anything could happen on the last day of the season. And all the games are being played at the same time as well. So, it's an interesting, interesting, interesting race for the top four. Liverpool have been in this position before under Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I remember the 2016-17 season where they needed a win against Middlesbrough on the last day of the season to qualify. And they won the game 3-0 and qualify for the Champions League. So, Chris... Coming on to the point right now, Chelsea play Aston Villa, Liverpool play Crystal Palace, Leicester play Spurs. First of all, I want you to predict who you think or who, in your opinion, do you think will make it to the top four?
1: I think it will be Chelsea and Liverpool. I think they'll qualify for the top four as it stands now. uh, I can actually see all three teams winning. And uh, I don't see there any being any real complications. I can't see, I can't, I can't see Chelsea and Liverpool it up. I Really can't. Uh, although I'll probably say Chelsea have probably got the trickiest tie. I think Leicester will beat Tottenham convincingly, uh, especially the way Tot- uh, Tottenham played <clears throat> against Aston Villa the other night. If play like that against Leicester, it could be a goal fest. But I just, I just don't see them overcoming the four goals uh, needed. F- to be Liverpool on goal difference because I can't see obviously Liverpool. I can't see. I can see also Liverpool winning quite convincingly, as well.
0: Mm.
1: Interesting, so interesting pick. Yeah, I think I think Chelsea have got the trickiest tie because you but you just don't know what you're going to get from an, from Aston Villa. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, I think, I think Chelsea have obviously got the more quality quality Aston Villa as good as a result it was against Tottenham. I was, And as convincing as a result it was, I still I still, I still, still put that down to how badly Tottenham, Tottenham played. Um, and then going into that game, it was a bit of a shock as well, because I didn't think Aston Villa were great against Everton. Uh, obviously got beat by Crystal Palace, so they weren't in the greatest form themselves over the last two games. So um, I wouldn't read, and there would be a lot of people... Saying Aston Villa can, can beat Chelsea uh, uh, because they beat Tottenham, I wouldn't read too much into that. I do think it was down to Tottenham being really poor. I think Liverpool, Crystal Palace uh, are obviously in a situation where they're completely safe. Uh, the manager's going at the end of the season. Maybe they might be a little bit motivated by that, but I just don't see it. see Liverpool winning convincingly. And again, Tottenham are in poor form at the moment. Doesn't look like who doesn't look like they've got any idea who the manager is going to be. Harry Kane's announced that he wants to leave the club, so I can see
0: Leicester winning that game convincingly as well. I mean, let's let's take each game one by one. Chelsea versus Villa. Yeah. Start, starting with Chelsea versus Villa. Chelsea have won their last four out of the five games. Their only loss was against Arsenal. Yeah. And that was a game Where they actually Dominated Chelsea actually Dominated And I would say They didn't have The luck that day They just didn't have The luck that day And yeah. I think I think When it comes to scoring They've not had Enough luck this season I think the finishing Has been Quite uh, Underwhelming To be honest yeah. Timo Werner especially uh, But Timo Werner Again it's, it's it's a huge topic uh, if, you, if you want to talk About Werner And we'll keep that for Probably for the summer But But I think they kind of have issues scoring, not creating, but scoring. Because they do create pretty yeah. good chances. Scoring is the biggest problem. And I think for once, they might need all the luck in the world. Because if Aston Villa managed to score and if Aston Villa managed to take the lead, it's going to be a tricky game. It's going to be a really, really tricky game seeing Chelsea push, push uh, fighting for a goal. Because yeah. that's the kind of situation they've been in in the last probably couple of weeks or so. So, it's an interesting game like you mentioned. And Aston Villa, again, another team, you don't know what happens with them. They've won two and lost two and drawn one in the last five. That win against Spurs was really, really good, in my opinion. Um, so, it's a tricky game. But do you think, do you think Aston Villa probably can... Get past that Chelsea defense, though, because Chelsea might be actually thinking uh, about somehow getting a goal and getting a win because a win secures their place. A win secures them third <clears> place as well. So, do you think they feel yeah. that extra pressure in the game?
1: Um, well, yeah, like like you said, like you said, Riff, Obviously, it will be very interesting to see how Chelsea react if Aston Villa go one 0 up because against Arsenal. Uh, and against Leicester in the FA Cup final, they just couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't turn those results around. So maybe that's a little bit of a weakness there, in terms of what you've mentioned. Actually, putting chances away. The only thing I would say is they still created well, not so much the Cup final, but against Arsenal, they still created opportunities to win the game. They just didn't put them away. Um, although, what I would say is both Arsenal and Leicester play with a back three in those games. Aston Villa won't change to a back three and he will press high if Ollie Watkins plays. So that might that might suit Chelsea better because they're very good at playing through a press um, and they transition very quick. So that could suit them in this game in terms of getting uh, getting chances getting chances on goal and actually being able to convert them. Um, So yeah, I just I, I see Chelsea winning this game. I think in all I spotted a weakness in this Chelsea team it, it, against Leicester in the cup final. Leicester ke- kept making them go. Eventually, especially in the second half, of forcing Chelsea into long balls, and that 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 sort of suited teams then um, that su- suited Leicester down to the ground because they were playing with a back three. And Timo Werner was, is not is not the greatest striker receiving the ball uh, in the air, especially if he's playing up front on his own. So, unless Aston Villa were to ch- change, change, change their system, which I just don't see them doing, I see, I see Chelsea winning this game.
0: Mm, and Jack Relish has returned as well, so I think that's that's going to be again uh, another important uh, important factor, I guess. And he's, he he would definitely want to finish the season on a high because he's been injured uh, for a good part of probably the last one or two months I guess two and a two, two and a half months I guess so he would want to end this season on a high and probably probably impress Southgate so that Southgate picks him so yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure Aston Villa because they have nothing to play for right now they, they are going to finish 11th no matter what this season so even if they win they lose or they draw they are going to finish 11th and I think they are going to have a really good go at Chelsea but like you said Chelsea's defence have been pretty good They've been really controlling opposite, the number of opposition shots or chances. And they've not given the opposition really good opportunities, to be honest, yeah. to score. And even when Edward Mendy plays, he has the height and he looks pretty much composed as well. So I don't see a lapse in concentration. Uh, I don't see a lapse in concentration pretty much when I, I watch Mendy play. Apart from yeah. maybe the one or two moments here and there, which which is pretty much uh, which pretty much applies to any keeper in the world, but I think overall that is uh, actually a plus for Chelsea. And if you look at the two games that Chelsea had lost, uh, kept played both the games, the cup final, the FA Cup final, as well as the game against Arsenal. So I think I think the backline or probably uh, the whole team's morale kind of has a go when Kepa starts I don't know if I'm making a very really bad claim here but I do feel that Chelsea probably panics a bit more when they have Kepa in goal uh, when, when you compare it with Mendy so yeah. with Mendy starting I think I think they're going to win yeah I, I mean I, I kind of agree with you I think they're going to win but I don't think it's going to be a huge win either I think it's going to be probably a 1-0 or a 2-0 win in my opinion yeah yeah I mean I-
1: I just, I just think the opponents suit them a lot better uh, than what I mean. There could have been trickier opponents for, for Chelsea, but on the on the other hand, though, if obviously someone said to me uh, an hour before kick off, right, we've, we've seen we've seen the future and one team out of the three is going to lose today, who would you put your money on? I, I would have said it, it will be that fixture just because I feel Aston Villa are a lot better at the moment. Than the other two teams that uh, than both Crystal Palace and Tottenham, so Chelsea have definitely got the trickiest game. However, I just I just feel that I just feel that they're going to win the game because I think uh, the way Aston Villa will play, given what I've seen over the last couple of weeks, will suit them. Hmm.
0: And moving on to the Liverpool Crystal Palace game now, Liverpool back at Anfield, final game of the season. They have the fans back again. But under massive pressure, like I said, and I mean, if if you would ask me after that Newcastle game whether Liverpool would make it to the top four, I would have said no. If you would ask me after the Southampton game, I would have said no. If you even asked me after the Manchester United game, I would have said no. But and even till the 91st or 92nd minute in the West Brom mm-hmm. game, I would have still said no. But seeing liverpool perform the way they did against west Brom and burnley i mean they were they were outstanding in my opinion but they managed to get over the line and that's the liverpool i saw last season they were in they were overperforming a lot in uh, in terms of uh, the numbers some underlying numbers last season liverpool and this season they they, they had a really good start they then they kind of regressed back to their mean. The players started regressing back to their mean. Then there was a sharp decline in terms of finishing. Liverpool are currently the sixth worst team in the top five leagues in Europe when it comes to XG performance or XG goals differential. They are sixth biggest underperformers when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to the XG differential or the goal and XG differential in the top five leagues in Europe. So, that actually speaks a lot. So, so that actually speaks a lot about how bad their finishing has been. You might have seen that in the Burnley game as well. A lot of decent opportunities which Liverpool would normally have converted last season, which the likes of Sadio Mane, Baumatsala, Salah, Firmino would have com- converted last season. They... Yeah. They managed to miss a lot of chances, but finally, finally, they got a breakthrough goal through Firmino. And it's not like Burnley didn't have chances either. They had chances and for any team playing Liverpool right now, the blueprint will be to put a long ball in. Because Liverpool are pretty slow at the back. Nat Phillips, Reese williams I'm not sure if Ozan Kabak might make or might start this game because he faces a late fitness test. So, I'm not sure if he'll start, but if it's Nat Phillips and Reese williams you would definitely try to target Reese williams And you would actually try to target Nat Nat Phillips as well. Even if he's been pretty decent uh, in aerial duels and some other aspects. Because that backline is shaky. They get out of position a few times. They probably are not proactive, but they are kind of reactive defenders. Which is not what Liverpool have been having in the last one or two years with Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez or even Joel Matip. They are more of a proactive defenders than a reactive one. So I think that is one area where Crystal Palace could exploit with the likes of Ben Teke and Wilfred Zaha, who has really good pace. I think Every yes, is a big miss for Palace, but I think Palace definitely have the first 11 to trouble Liverpool and probably cause an upset. But with the form Liverpool are in, if, if they don't make it, it's going to be a surprise, like you said. If Liverpool don't manage to win this game,
1: it's it probably sums up their season. It probably sums up their season. Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always room in football, isn't there, for an upset or a little bit of a, but <clears throat> little bit of a shock, especially on the last day, especially given what's what at state at state for these teams. But I just think I think Liverpool getting that goal against West Brom in the way that they did, obviously, means it even more sweet the fact that it was the goalkeeper. It looked. you mentioned that Burnley did have chances the other night but I always thought Liverpool were going to win that game I mean there was maybe if Burnley took that chance at the very start uh, I think it was Chris Wood, was it and that, and that felt it's mistake uh, may, may, maybe it might have been a different game but I always thought Liverpool looked quite comfortable in that game and given the fact that there aren't, uh, the fans are back in the stadium on Sunday given the season that you've had I think the atmosphere will be. I just think the atmosphere will be too too good. I think the players will be up for it. Be well motivated, and then I think I think the quality will show. Like I said, Crystal Palace can finish lower, so there may be a little bit of motivation from there because they can actually drop down to fifteenth. I think. Uh, look, given if our results go against them, I think Southampton and Newcastle can actually take over them. Maybe, well, no, I don't think Brighton or maybe even Brighton as well. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Crystal Palace could finish 16th, and I suppose at this point of the season, uh, that is actually quite a bit of money lost. You can, uh, but uh, they can only finish one place above them uh, where they are at the minute, which is 13th. So they can only finish 12th. So um, no, I, I, as much as I understand what you're saying, you're looking at it from a from a from a Liverpool perspective, if we're given maybe some of Liverpool's areas of concern this season. I just think you'll have t- way too much quality for them. I think the motivation will be and the hunger uh, uh, to put put on not necessarily put on a show, but to give the fans something to cheer about on that last game will be will be just too much for Crystal Palace. I think you'll win the game quite, quite convincingly. Don't get it, I wouldn't wouldn't put it past Crystal Palace to score in the game, given Liverpool, uh, Liverpool like I said not as strong defensively as what they were. Last season, for obvious reasons, but no, I, 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 again, I just don't see Liverpool not winning this game. I'd be shocked if Liverpool didn't win this game. I'm quite amused as well, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I'm actually playing the underdog card here just so that oh, I yeah. have an excuse. Just so that I yeah. have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So moving on from the game, that that particular game to the Le- Leicester one, the Leicester Spurs one. Yeah.
1: just
0: Probably might be Harry Kane's last game in a Spurs shirt, probably for the foreseeable future. And we've we've had a lot of good hints about that from Harry Kane himself in, in the last week or so. And for Spurs, this is, again, a really, really huge game. If West Ham lose their game, if West Ham lose their final game and Spurs win this, Spurs go to 6th and qualify for the Europa League. If Spurs lose this and Everton or Arsenal win the game, Spurs might not even end up playing in the Conference League next season. So, this is a really huge game for Spurs from a club perspective. And Daniel Levy would definitely not want to sacrifice Money that they would get from European competition, be it the Conference League or the Europa League. So, this is a huge game for Spurs. Last game of the season, as well, probably a farewell game for Harry Kane as well. So, they need all the motivation they can get from their senior players, and I think there is going to be motivation from there's going to be motivation inside as well from each player to probably finish the season well and get the Europa League spot. Same applies for Leicester as well. After the way they finished out of the top four last season, they won the FA Cup, which is a really huge achievement. Credit to Brendan Rogers for that. He's actually punching above their weight as well this season, even in the league. And if they win it, if they qualify for the Champions League, it's a huge plus for the club. Again, for Leicester as a team. And even for Brendan Rodgers and his TV as well. And I think it's it's again it's a it's again a matter of who turns up in this game because what I saw on the Leicester Chelsea game was that Leicester's defense looked pretty shaky. I know Chelsea yeah. had a lot of in- intensity in the game and they were actually continuously building attacks and they didn't even let Leicester have much of the ball and continuously pushed. So the likes of Soyunchu struggled an awful lot, an awful lot. And I don't think Timothy Castagna really loves playing as the right sided centre back. Johnny Evans again no. Johnny Evans again got injured in the in the FA Cup final. So I think that's again a huge miss. I'm not sure if he if he'll be fit for this game. So that's that that's going to be a huge miss if he doesn't play. And Castagna as a right center back is not something that I would fancy. So if the, if you put pressure on Leicester, there is a good chance that they probably crumble. That's something that's that's kind of a pattern that I think we've seen the last two seasons as well from them. So, this is probably the game, the match of the, or probably the biggest game in the last game week in the Premier League. This is the game to actually watch because this is going to be a really, really tricky game because of the situation both the clubs are in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As well, as well, you've got to consider as well that if, if for whatever reason, the fans in each stadium will know what score the other teams are getting on because it always happens, especially now. Everyone's got the mobile phone. So it'll translate to the players at some point during the game. And if Leicester are losing at any point, then the job, job, Liverpool, it doesn't matter what happens at Chelsea. It doesn't matter what happens for for Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, Obviously, Leicester have to win. So, but if Leicester go up, And and if you look at it the other way around, if Leicester start winning convincingly, one, maybe 2-0, and the other two teams are drawing at that point, then it creates tension. So this this is the game, really, that is going to decide, that could help decide the other two games. Um, I understand where you're coming from when you say Brendan Rodgers has done a fantastic job and obviously they won the FA Cup for the first time in the history, I believe. I think it was. Um, last week, so that's a fantastic achievement. And I think if you would have asked Leicester fans and the players themselves, would they rather win the FA Cup or qualify for the Champions League? I think they would have definitely, definitely chose the FA Cup because they proved this season and la- they proved last season that they can compete and get in amongst the top four, and they proved that they can do it this year as well as playing European football. Which always people always seem to think is going to be a hindrance, but Leicester approved this year because they still went deep into the competition. Um, that they can actually maintain a top four place whilst being in Europe and it being in the Europa League. So there's no reason why they can't do that again next season. So the FA Cup uh, definitely would have been took instead of instead of the top four place. However, I'm, you've got to, you've got to say for them they should be they should be clear and fair place Leicester. They, they should have had their Champions League place wrapped up now for maybe a number a couple of weeks if you look at the, some of the games where they dropped points the Newcastle game 4-2 I mean that, that was I mean you could, you could argue as well the West Ham game they, they, maybe they, as, luckily, as unlucky as what they were with the 3-2 defeat they, they should they should have beat West Ham or certainly should have been they were certainly good enough to beat them you look back through the months uh, drawing away at Burnley getting beat by Arsenal at home. Uh, I know that was the back end of February and you could say that was still a long way to go at the season, but still at the time, that was a, that was a terrible result. So there's points, the, the, the certain, and I know the Premier League is a tough league and every game is a hard game, but you've got to look at those, with those defeats and say, even if they turn, even if they won one, maybe two of them, the, the, the job would be done now. They wouldn't be going into the last game. And, I think I think they deserve some criticism for that as well, and I think they'll only have themselves to blame if they finish fifth.
0: Mm, absolutely, and I think that, that that game against Southampton, where they drew, uh, despite oh, yeah. Yannick West Yannick getting sent off in the tenth minute, uh, that that again was a huge huge uh, disappointment for them because I think the Newcastle game and the Southampton game will be talked about a lot because. Did they have like, like what 779% possession in, in the yeah. Southampton game? Yeah. So I think they should have probably sealed top four. They've top four place by now, but I don't know. I don't, things work too weird, uh, and things have worked actually too weird in this season in particular with a lot of different teams. So it's finally come on to the final day of the season. So yeah, yep,
1: yeah, I get I get where you're going as well. Yeah, you, I mean, again, again, it sounds like I'm being critical because you could argue that, like, like you said, they are punching punching above the weight. But when you look at it, look at it for, for what's happened throughout the season, I mean, at one point they were look they were second. It looks like looked like they were challenging for the title. Then they look, went dropped down to third and then they should and they should have had third wrapped up by now. And now they fell out. They fell out of the worst possible time because there's no time to recover. And yeah, I mean, again, it does sound harsh considering they've won the FA Cup and it is Leicester City, but that'll be two seasons on the bounce now that they should have should have had to Champions League football. You could argue when it goes back to next season, will, they still, will Liverpool be as poor as what they are this season? I highly doubt it. Manchester United are likely to invest again. Chelsea. Again, I think a full season on Thomas Tuchel. I think they'll, I think they'll actually finish a lot higher than fourth if they finish fourth. Or it, I think they'll challenge for the title uh, with one or two more signings there. So they might not get another chance, lest they're as good a chance of this again. So that's why I'm being being a little bit critical of them. You've mentioned Tottenham. Obviously, Tottenham could spoil the party anyway in terms of what they've got to fight for. Um, but I, I just don't see it. I just think, I think that team's finished. It, re- it really is. It needs re- refreshing up completely. You mentioned that it could be Harry Kane's last game. It'll also be Ryan Mason's last game in charge. But they just, I looked at them the other overnight. I just thought this team isn't beating anyone at the minute. <laughs> it uh, it they did look. I mean, two-one flattered them. I thought against Aston Villa, I thought two-one flattered them a lot. Don't know what the XG was at the end of the game. But, I mean, the, the one of one or two opportunities where maybe Aston Villa didn't actually create the chance, but maybe just a, a little bit indecisive was the last-minute tackle. To but Tottenham were all over the place, so I just can't see them getting anything out of this game because, again, Leicester will have the motivation to make sure that they do their job. And, and, then, and then, obviously if the other results go against them, the other, go- the other results go against them. There's nothing they can do. But, yeah, I mean, I look at Tottenham and I just think, well, as much as we want to sit here and criticise Jose Mourinho and say his tactics are finished or he's finished in English football, blah, 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 you, I just don't see why they sacked them. I really don't, because not got any better. I thought the performance in the, the Carabao Cup was, you might as well have had Jose Mourinho there. At least he would have might have had a little bit more decisiveness out to beat Manchester City because um well because he, he's done it once already this season and he still they still had a chance themselves at the top four at that stage of the season. Uh, a very good chance actually. And it's just gone a bit it's just gone a bit he, it's not improved since he's gone for me. Um and that's not that's not, not taking anything against Ryan Mason. He obviously he's a very young manager, he loves the club, he's come in to do a job they've won games, uh, but the performance, that back that back four at the minute, for me, if Tottenham are looking to get a new manager in with any kind of ambition, they need four new defenders if they're going to continue to play back four, right back or left back and two new centre-halves. I just don't yeah. see how they can cut, co- just don't see how they're going to be able to cope with Leicester
0: over the weekend. Mm. Like, like you mentioned, I think Spurs are a team who needs a huge huge uh reprogramming uh,
1: yeah
0: in in their team and i think we're going to see that this summer as well and if hurricane leaves for a big big fee i think they're going to have the funds as well to probably rebuild the site properly and give that to a manager who probably can do something interesting Uh, yeah that's again uh that's again a topic of its own uh yeah, uh, I mean, choosing a Spurs manager. The guys at the Extra Inch podcast have done some really good stuff there. And personally, I would like to see Graham Potter join Spurs as well because of how good he is, actually. So, yeah, yeah that's that's a, that's a whole different topic. But that's it with the top four coverage. Before ending mm-hmm. the podcast, we have our usual patron question questions, actually, from our one of our biggest supporters, Dieter Van Gogh. And Dieter has actually four questions, but we'll take two of them or we'll move two of them to future episodes, considering those are actually related to the Euros as well as the transfer window. We will have separate or special episodes for them. So we'll move those two questions uh, to those episodes. But his main question is about Robert Lewandowski. I mean... There isn't enough words in English dictionary using which you can describe or you can actually and not Robert Lewandowski's achievements in the last two seasons. That's including this yeah. one. He has equaled Gerd Müller's record, Bundesliga record of of scoring, what, 40 goals? Isn't it? In a season.
1: Yeah, he's equaled the record, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. His a record, record. Oh.
1: stood since 1971 I think
0: 72 mm. yeah so that itself is a huge achievement scoring 40 goals in the bundesliga in a single season i don't yeah. know I, I i can't actually praise him enough Dieter's question being is lewandowski the best striker in the world now and his second question being, is Lewandowski a Bundesliga legend after equalling this record? Before before, before actually letting you explain, that question regarding Lewandowski being a Bundesliga legend, I think he was a Bundesliga legend years before. He, he already established himself as a Bundesliga legend, I think, uh, uh, really, I think probably f- four or five years ago itself, with his achievements at Dortmund and his initial years at Bayern Munich. So, there is no doubt, in my opinion, whether he is he's, he's going to be classified as a Bundesliga legend. Maybe, you could probably argue if he whether he is probably the greatest ever striker to ever play in the Bundesliga. That is something that you can probably argue. And I would probably classify him among probably one of the greatest ever in the Bundesliga. I would classify him in that list instead of downright saying he is probably the best ever. But... He is definitely among the greatest ever not the strikers, greatest ever players to play in the Bundesliga because the number that he's produced in the last few years is magnificent and I don't think this probably I don't think this there are a lot of players apart from Messi and Ronaldo, maybe even Neymar, who can produce numbers as good as he's done. So yeah. that for me is downright. And whether he is the best striker in the world? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, a thousand times. I don't think there's any player in the world who's been on Lewandowski's level for one and a half years. Uh, yeah.
1: Is he a Bundesliga legend? So that, that was the question, wasn't it, from DCET? is he Is Lewandowski a Bundesliga legend? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean... I'll answer that question straight away. He, yeah, you can't you can't argue with someone who has won everything there is to win at club level. He's he's won he's won multiple championships with both Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. He's won a Champions League. Um, he's been top goal scorer in that league for a number of seasons, uh, and he's the he's he's the complete number nine. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned it a few times on on various different other shows how, how difficult it is to play up front on your own. Well, when you've got as much to your game as he has, he is that perfect striker because I suppose in some ways there isn't anything he can't do. I mean, his movement in the box is fantastic. He's very good in the air. He's very good technically. Um, he can score from outside the box as well. Uh, we've seen we've seen that uh, a couple. Of, a number of goals over the year, uh, especially when he was playing under Pep Guardiola, his, his ability to drop deep as well uh, and take the ball and actually uh, and actually link up play is fantastic. I mean, this season he's got seven assists as well. I mean that, but for for a, for, for a centre forward, he plays up front on his own. I want to say he's not when he plays up front on his own. I'm not trying to say, but as you know, just for any listeners, we're not saying that Bayern Munich play defensively because it's not. But obviously. Hansi Flick plays 4-2-3-1 uh, and I think he has played that uh, at least 90% of the games of Bayern have played this season, so he plays at that focal point, so for seven assists it's, it's not it, that that's no that's not a bad record in itself and uh, yeah, I don't think you can question whether he's a Bundesliga legend, he absolutely is in terms of uh, one of the best players to ever play in the Bundesliga or one of the best strikers to ever play in the Bundesliga I think you'd have to consider that he is yeah I mean obviously I don't buy into all these arguments of comparing strikers from different generations or different teams um, uh, from from generations because it's sort of it's just a flawed argument isn't it you can never You can never compare the game then to compare and compare it to now. There's so many pros and cons to to each argument that you just can't you can't you can't narrow it down enough. But the Bundesliga weren't the league it was oh sorry, the Bundesliga wasn't the league it is now back in say the nineties or certainly in the eighties it weren't sort of like the productive Maybe productives the wrong way. They weren't the. It didn't have the trendiness that it has now. So it didn't have the glamour and the players. um, The Bundesliga has always been great for producing homegrown players. The majority of them are German. So I'm just trying to think of anyone from. Certainly in modern times that can compare to them. And there's no one that comes to my head, comes into my head straight away especially from a forwards point of view there's been there's been exciting players and I'm sort of just thinking now from the the turn of the century but you could argue since, certainly since in that period that he's the best bundesliga player i can't think of anyone at the top of my head now there's been like i said there's been talented and exciting players but no one who showcases talent in the manner that he has yeah
0: i i i can't disagree with you at all mate i mean 34 34 goals uh, last season along with uh, what, 4 assists I guess 34 goals and 4 assists last season in the Bundesliga alone 40 goals and 7 assists this season in the Bundesliga and he's played lesser minutes this season, I think he's played around 400 minutes less already right now compared to last and he has what 9 more goal contributions which is absolutely amazing and there is there is actually no doubt that if the Ballon d'Or were to be given right now, there is no other candidate other than Robert Lewandowski. I don't think there's there's any close competition with him. I don't think there's any other close competition with him if you, if you're looking right now, because of yeah. how is he's you been in the last one and a half years.
1: Yeah, as a Ballon d'Or winner, yeah, um, yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, Going. Was the other question? Sorry, was was Dieter's other question? Was he was he is he the best striker in the world right now?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, um, uh, yeah. He's definitely in the category. I mean, he, he's he's the benchmark for all strikers to compare themselves to at the moment. Like I said, I think I think Luis Suarez has had a, a, an incredible season at Atletico Madrid his importance can't be underestimated for them. For it, Romelu Lukaku, has had a fantastic season for Inter Milan. and certainly deserves mentioning that argument, but I can't... As good as uh, Haaland as well, again, his talent speaks volumes. Certainly go on to be the best striker in the world, but I think, going back to the Suarez-Lukaku arguments, they deserve mention and I would have, and you'd have to certainly listen to anyone who argued them being the best this season. Um, but Lewandowski, again, again, you look at those goals and you look at the record as well, because he got injured, let's not forget, he got injured uh, for the Champions League ties, and I think he missed four games, didn't he? I think, I'm not sure if he missed four Bundesliga games, but he certainly missed a couple and it looked like the record was going to go out. It ain't not going to happen. Uh, at that point, but yeah, to still to go into the, the last game, just needing one goal to break it is just incredible, incredible stuff, really. But as well, I don't know, did you did you see the miss? He could he could have beat it last week. Did you see his miss?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for oh. for, for a play, for a player who's who's overperformed his XG so much this season, that miss was absolutely funny. I mean, I, I've seen that I've seen that video like five or six times and I still can't believe he missed
1: that. Uh, it's gotta be one of the misses of the season, hasn't it? I definitely can't think of any, I Definitely can't miss think, of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I mean when I mean I remember obviously Everton got beat by Sheffield United last week and Dav, uh, Dominic Carvalho missed a great opportunity to score and obviously Everton fans getting on his back as usual, blah blah blah. And then I remember when it, during when I seen that miss I thought, you know, I felt like I felt like tweeting it and saying to Everton fans, saying, "Listen, if the best striker in the world, and <laughs> uh, um, one of the best strikers in football for the last ten years, well, can miss a, a chance like that, then Dominic Cavallum, uh I think you can you can give him a pass for his miss." But I couldn't believe it. But then again, I'm thinking, well, oh, maybe obviously a little twist of fate here. Obviously, Bayern Munich are at home this weekend, aren't he? So he'll beat the record in the home stadium. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's better. Did he, did he miss it on purpose?
0: <laughs> that's it's uh, that it, it's probably destiny. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, yeah I couldn't yeah. I couldn't believe it. But yeah, and I mean, again, it sort of it begs it begs a bit of a, a problem for Bayern Munich going forward because he's he's thirty two years of age now. Robert left And Don't get me wrong. I don't. I can't see him. He looks like uh, he's in good shape. I know he does get the odd injury. Uh, the odd injury, but it begs the question now. Bayern, uh, Bayern have to start putting plans in place to start maybe replacing him. Not uh, not this summer. I don't mean this summer, but getting someone in because this is gonna when when he does when he does call it a day or he, he does start to go past those. Those games where he can't be, he can't be playing a, f- a full, uh, a full set of fixtures uh, within a season. Bayern are going to have a big problem replacing this this guy. They really are. I mean, in some ways, you could argue that he's irreplaceable.
0: Absolutely, and that sums up this week's episode as well. So, thank you so much once again, Chris, for joining in. We have more yeah, episodes very coming welcome. for the listeners. Yeah, we have more episodes coming in for the listeners and we will probably have a pretty interesting summer with the podcast as well. We have plans to probably, you know, have special teams for the Euros and the Copa for for the coverage. I'm not not giving you a 100% guarantee that it's going to happen, but there is a good chance that we might have extra episodes covering the Euros and Copa America as well. If things go according to plan, so stay tuned. And if you like the content that we produce, if you like our podcast, please, please consider becoming a patron and help us grow. We have extra bonus content for our patrons as well. So thank you once again to all our listeners who are the most important. Who are the most important? You know, what, what do we yeah. most important mm-hmm. linchpin? Linchpin for this podcast Yeah. yeah yeah definitely definitely that so until the next episode bye bye take care